Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Edwin McCain performs tonight at the Tally Ho Theater in Leesburg, Virginia. I spoke with McCain when he played DC City Winery in 2019 to break down his biggest hits from I'll Be to I Could Not Ask for More. Edwin, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Hey man, thanks for having me. This will be our second time at the DC City Winery. Um, and yeah, we've been we played most of them: uh, Nashville and uh, Boston and Chicago, and Atlanta, um, New York. We played the New York ones. Yeah, so definitely played a lot of the spaces. Um, they're nice. They're just they're great sit-down venues. You know, it's a nice environment to play. Nice and uh, quiet. It's just perfect listening room. Awesome. Now, is it going to be, is this a full band, or I know you sometimes do like an acoustic trio? It's actually the quattro this time. Um, we <laughs> we had a, yeah, we had a guitar player years ago that was with us for, for a long time, uh, a guy named Pete Riley. He's a singer-songwriter himself, and uh, he was in a band called Treehouse that was on Atlantic that had opened up for us for years, and we just love him. And when that band dissolved, I... Uh, hired him to be in our band just because we didn't want to uh lose him <laughs> we just love being <laughs> with him and, and so he's been back in england for a long time and so he's coming back we had him back earlier this year just as a just you know as a uh, excuse to get together and we had so much fun we're bringing him back for this tour too uh so pete's going to be with us so it'll be two acoustic guitars electric guitar and saxophone Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't want really, you know, totally spoil the set list or anything, but give us a sense of, you know, some of the things we might hear. Is it, you know, it's obviously your bigger hits. Is you got any, any cool covers planned or, you know, just... We kind of, you know, I feel like it's, it's funny because people always go, when are you putting out a new album? I'm like, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have this core group of songs that I know people want to hear. And so I work off of those and then we just take... Uh, a lot of times, and, and a lot of times we've been, most of our tours are evening with. So I'll play sort of the core group of songs from 10 albums, and then people yell at me to play these obscure old songs that I don't, I can't remember how to play, and I'll make them bring their phone up and hold up the lyrics, and I'll try to hack my way through them. And it's pretty fun, <laughs> actually. So it's a little bit of I, the stuff I think people want to hear, and then legitimately the stuff they yell at me to play at the end and i kind of uh uh try to satisfy the you know it's the first rule of the business you know give the people what they want even if you can't remember the words so <laughs> it's fun it's kind awesome. of stump the stump the band it's pretty fun yeah for sure stump the band in a small room like that is going to be a lot of fun um you tell, take me back, because uh, you grew up in, in South Carolina. Remember, mm. re remind our listeners um, uh, how exactly you first, you know, what was the first instrument you got your hands on? Or was there, a, you know, a music instructor? You know, how, how did you actually get into it? Or even, even if it was just, you know, your parents listening to certain stuff around the house? Well, you know, <laughs> um, my dad pulled out this crazy audio recording of me. It was a couple of Christmases ago. It's actually uncomfortable, frankly, of of he and I singing that uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary song, Puff the Magic Dragon. And it, <laughs> I mean, you know, 
if you if you go back and listen to that song, it's kind of it's kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was little, you know, I was probably like three or four or something. You know, it's kind of funny. You were listening to it. I was like, God, ugh. You know, um, <laughs> but I think it was singing first, and then they, you know, I was like every other kid. I mean, they, I had piano lessons with a piano teacher that, you know, I I still don't, I still cringe a little bit thinking back to piano lessons, and then church choir, which I jokingly call Southern daycare, um, and <laughs> I had a, I, my uncle really was probably my biggest influence uh, as a kid because he was uh he went to the university of north carolina but he 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 grew up at a time where they were he was studying this eastern appalachian folk music that they call old time which is is like a precursor to bluegrass music and and what it is is a living oral history of the people that immigrated here from you know the scotch irish especially that populated the um Western North Carolina and the Appalachian Mountains and um, created this uh, culture of honor is what Malcolm Gladwell would call it. Um, <laughs> Man, and, you're dropping and, Gladwell on me. No, right. I love him. That's the tipping so point of this interview. <laughs> oh, dude, Matt Gladwell is amazing. His new book's incredible. And But uh, uh, but, but, but this, this culture of honor and this music is is a – really good glimpse into how people were living in their mindsets and it's pretty violent i mean honestly like if you listen back to some of this old time music man it is it is serious man people are getting thrown down wells and drowned in rivers and there's all kinds of fights and blood feuds and (laughs) you know it and and it was hard it was hard living i mean and so I, i grew up around this storytelling uh music and and that was i think what planted the seed that that music is is sort of this echo of of our experience and the ideas that we sort of try to improve um where we've come from and 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 it, and the songwriters become sort of a thread in the fabric and that, that I think that was the initial sort of leaning leaning into it and then I heard a songwriter named David Wilcox and you know that that cemented the songwriting side of it and then you underpin all of that with all I was listening to was Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you know all this R and B stuff. And and for me, you know, Maurice White and Earth, Wind, and Fire were trying to do the same thing as far as you know speaking in this uplifting way and and trying to uh, you know share a message that was unifying and and powerful. And they were doing it worldwide. And so you combine the idea of songwriting and then the sort of global goodwill and that's kind of where that was sort of the the crucible that i i came from <laughs> i love that crucible um remind our listeners how exactly so you know that's that's sort of where you grew up and that's your roots but how do you actually get signed for that first album was it was it atlantic or or was that La- no yeah. honor among thieves was lava records um yeah how, how but that, that was how's that come to be how's that come so, to be so in a perfect outlier type Gladwellian uh storyline uh <laughs> I was in, in timing everything just the timing of it was was it, I tell people all the time like when we were was equally as important as what we were uh grunge was kind of 
everybody was tired of staring into their own belly buttons, feeling bad about themselves. And then Dave Matthews and Hootie and the Blowfish were exploding. And there was a moment in time where I, I remember at, at WNL University one weekend, it was Dave Matthews at one frat house, Hootie and the Blowfish next door, and we were playing the frat house next to those three. And yeah. Jack O'Pierce was at another frat house. I mean, it was and we were all sort of coming up at the same time, and I was opening up for both of them as they sort of exploded onto the scene. And we were opening for Hootie, and uh, Jason Flom had had just started Lava, and it was looking like I was going to go onto Atlantic proper. And then Jason came, and we met, and I I'm I have a healthy dose of operational defiance and I just love I love Jason and I just wanted to be on the the little startup label I didn't want you know what I mean I just I wanted to go fight and so we did we we I went with lava and we ended up with all the little fighters like you know Kid Rock and and uh Sugar Ray and Jill Sobule and we had this little gang of 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 uh malcontents and we supported each other, and we built that little label with him, and I'm friends with him to this day. That's that fantastic. Fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that's cool. Thanks for telling us how that one came together. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, all right. Well, then when you moved on to your, your second album, that that's when, you you know, that's when, you know, I think all of it, you know, became the household name. <laughs> um, uh, uh, just on know. the back of the one song, you know. Flom called me and said, look, man, we're, I just came from a meeting and, you know, you're getting ready to get dropped unless you turn in something good. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, hang on. I'll tune I'll it in. I'll so how does, so how, obviously, of course, you're talking about I'll be. How does that actually yeah. come to you? I mean, those are some of the most romantic uh, lines ever written in a song, man, and, and they came uh, from your hand. So where, how do you, uh, I mean, God, you've probably been asked it a million times, but do you remember, like, where you were or what was, what was coursing through your your veins or your mind? It's, it's it's kind of an amalgam of a couple of different things. It was something I said to a girl. You know, I was dating this girl. It was like way out of my league, and I always kind of knew she was splitting. It was just like a big game of relationship chicken. And uh, <laughs> I think I said to her one time, I was like, "Whatever happens, I'm always going to be a big fan." You know, and um, and that line was in my head. And then I heard some dude this drunk guy at a bar kind of fumble over his words and he was trying to say shoulder to cry on. And he just, he just blew it and sort of like fumbled it, but shoulder came before crying and or crying came before shoulder. And I was like, wait a second. Hey, let me write that down. So I threw that on a napkin and, and I had all these little scraps of paper in my bag and uh, I got home and, put them all out on the coffee table and started putting it together. And, you know, um, they, those songs, sometimes those, those songs will show up and it, 
Yeah, I, I'd love it. You know, I'd love to tell you that I had it all. It was all part of a plan. Um, but the fact of the matter is, the the real the real truth about that song was was how hard we worked it behind the scenes at radio. I mean, there was just nothing I wouldn't do. I played hot dog parties at people's houses and rode around on the top of vans doing low power radio stuff. I mean, I was I was the biggest prostitute for the record label. I thought it was fun. I didn't care. It was like, hey, man, this is my last shot. I'm going to leave it all out on the field. And we did everything we could possibly do. And Atlantic threw us a bone and put it on the, the uh, what was that, Dawson's Creek show. Mm-hmm. And that was the final, that was the final catalyst that got it to launch. And, uh, you know, thank God for them. For sure. And, uh, you know, most people would be, you know, lucky, thanking their lucky stars just to write one of the romantic ballads of all time. But you have followed it up with another, um, with uh, Could Not Ask For More. Um, I know um, well, you didn't mention that. Well, that's Diane undocked. Warren. It, it's kind of that success breeds success thing. So if you've got something like I'll Be This Out There Cooking, you know, it's a lot easier for the program directors to put your next song on. Um and so that was that was really kind of what happened there. Um, How'd you get and, from Diane Warren? Yeah, because she's one of the, the iconic. Uh, honestly, I didn't I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I know, and she knows this, so she wouldn't. She's not going to take offense to that. But they came to me and they were like, "Hey, Diane Warren wrote you a song." I was like, "Who's Diane Warren?" And they were like, "You don't know who Diane Warren is?" I was like, "No, I mean, <laughs> no clue." Like, right? I mean, I'm. I'm out, I'm out of touch when it comes to the who's the pop music writer. And so she sent the song, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do it. And they were like, what do you mean you don't want to do it? I was like, I want to do it. And, um, you know, because I was 26, I guess, 27. I didn't understand, you know, how this business works at the time. I was like, yeah, I, don't, I got plenty of my own songs. And they were like, what? You know, they didn't really know <laughs> what to say to that, right? They weren't expecting it. And so, you know, very quickly they were like, um, well, what if we pay you to do it? And I was like, oh, okay, then fine, great, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they paid me, and I was, they put it on the soundtrack, and then it blew up. And, you know, I, I I had nothing to do with the success of that, honestly. I just, I didn't, I was an unwilling participant in my own good fortune, frankly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did you did you ever what did you think the first time you heard uh Sarah Evans cover it for, for country? Oh dude, I loved it. She did a great job. Her voice is awesome. I mean she's got she's a she's got a great voice. And and and, and at the time too, I'm I'm I've always been a little like I've just never been very good at the whole uh promote I mean the the I mean I love the radio promotion stuff, like used car salesman kind of stuff, but the whole like being photographed and being on TV and all that stuff. That was always weird to me. I always felt, you know, there's some people that are just made to be famous, right? Like Mm -hmm. Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker loves being famous, and I always felt kind of just weird about it. Like, I I love playing music. I love playing for audiences. I don't like trying to have a persona, right? you know, out there in the world. And uh, and and it's obvious, too. It comes across... 
I mean, I love, I love being, I love playing live shows for people. I just can't. I'm not, not very good at the, at the, you know, TV stuff. I just never liked it. Right, right, right. Totally. Well, uh, you know, and just sort of in closing, you say you love playing the live shows. You know, uh, just in closing, why should our listeners come on out and, and see your show? Let's say maybe they've seen you before, or maybe they've never seen you. You know, why should they come on out to this one? Well, you know. We did ten albums, so there's bound to be something that you'll like. I mean, the odds are that there's going to be something you'll like, and if not, then you know I'll pick on in our sax player mercilessly, and that's always fun. So come out, have some laughs. It's a good time. It's a, actually it's a nice room too if you haven't been there. It's a at least worth the uh, the chance. Awesome, Edwin McCain. No, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.